Well, let me, just, let me by review, uh, tell us again what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is an ability, a talent or ability, a skill or an ability that God gives a, the recipient so that he can perform a function within the body with ease, skill, and success. And these are charismata gifts. Somebody asked me one time, are you charismatic? I said, through and through am I charismatic. They thought I spoke in tongues. I don't speak in tongues. But I am charismatic in the sense that I have a charismatic gift. I have a gift that was given of grace to me when the Holy Spirit came into my life. When the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, He brings His gifts and He gives sovereignly and severally as He wills. Gift are gifts to every believer. And there are all kinds of gifts and we're looking down through them. We saw some service gifts, I mean some support gifts, which are gifts to edify the body. Tell me one of them. Come on. A, service, a support gift. That's just what I thought. I'm getting... I'm getting through. That's right. Teaching, apostleship, evangelism, prophecy, the pastor, support gifts that edify the body. And we've come to look at service gifts, gifts that encourage the body. If, if support gifts shape up the body, uh, service gifts ship the body out. You know, it shapes them up and ships them out. And service gifts are not your upfront gifts. We noticed three last week. We talked about administration. Let me give you just again the definition of it in case you were not here. The me it means to lead with diligence, to stand before or to preside over so that a person who has the gift of administration is a good leader. He's a, he, he stands before and guides and leads. An example is found in Titus 1.5. Exhortation comes, it's the very root word that's for the Holy Spirit. It means to call alongside. One who has the gift of exhortation is a, has the gift of ministry, of encouragement, of challenge and strengthening. Acts 18.24 is an example. There is the gift of faith. The gift of faith is that which is beyond the normal faith of a believer. Now, there was a visitor in our service last Sunday night, and I appreciate her coming up. She started home and came back. And she said, I didn't understand what you were talking about when you talked about the gift of faith. She said, does that mean I can't have faith in God? I said, of course not. We all have faith in the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And, 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 and she had not seen, nor had I for many years, that there is this gift of faith that lays hold on the promises of God with the result of experiencing power that is beyond man's ability to achieve. It is that ability to lay hold upon the supernatural, the gift of faith. The example of that, the, the, the verse that describes that is 1 Corinthians 12, 9, and the example is found in Acts 27, 21 through 25. Now, we come to the last three. The gift of giving. Now these are found in Romans 12. If you, you have that already, I'm assuming. The gift of giving. This is the meaning. The gift of giving is the ability to be sensitive to and provide for the needs of the saints with joy and generosity. 
It's the ability to be sensitive to human need and the ability to just provide for the needs of the saints with joy and generosity. Now, every believer is commanded to give. Every believer is to be a tither, as a matter of fact. Now, we don't emphasize that too much, and um, we don't preach that much. I mean, if a guy preaches once a year on tithing, he's accused of preaching for money. When the pulpit committee talked to me about coming here, they asked me what I thought about preaching on money. I said, well, if it's in the Bible, I like to preach it. You know, and I think it's there. Now, we de-emphasize the, give, the, the, the giving commitment that Christians are to have. But it is as much a vital part of your Christian experience as witnessing and prayer. Christian giving is as much a part of your Christianity as witnessing and prayer. Got a lot of amens on that. But the gift of giving is that gift that God gives certain people to be sensitive to the needs of the saints and that gift of, be, of being able to provide for them. Now I want to show you uh, an illustration of it. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Would you turn to that? 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. What amazing, an amazing thing is found in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Wow! Now, the Apostle Paul said, I want you to know about the charismata that has been given in the churches of Macedonia. It was just full of folks who had the gift of giving. It was just full of people who were sensitive to the fact that God had given them the gift of giving. It was just full of folks who were manifesting the gift of giving. It says that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond, look, and beyond their ability, it's, it's that supernatural charismata, that gift beyond their ability. They gave of their own accord. Now, the man who has the gift of giving is a person who, 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 who gives, who wants to know how he can give, who begs to give, who looks for an opportunity to give. Now, let me tell you something. He's a guy that you don't ever have to beg to give. He's begging for an opportunity. I know, know a pastor one time, the way he, way, he, way he handled finances, it, there'd be a certain thing come up, he'd go check out three or four guys. He'd come up, you know, they'd see him coming, they'd hide, you know. He'd, he'd have his, he'd have a, he'd have, he's going to put a little buttonhole him, you know. We need a couple of thousand dollars, you know. And they, he'd, he'd hit up the rich folks in the church. I love, that's not what Paul did. What Paul did was, he said, there are those in the church who are poor folks. He's a man out of their affliction and poverty. They gave. And they not only gave, they looked for an opportunity to give. Now let me show you something. In 11th chapter, verse 9, we'll see the same folks in the 11th chapter, verse 9. 
He says, and here's the same people he's talking about in chapter 8. He says, And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, who these guys he's talking about in chapter 8, they supplied my need, and in everything I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. These guys had the gift of giving, and they had a sensitivity to the need and provided for the needs of the saints with joy and generosity. I mean, they looked for an opportunity to give. Gift number five. The gift of helping. Romans 12, 9. Now, this will set you back a step. When you look in Romans 9, Romans 12, verse 9, and find the word for helps, it says helps or helper, it's the same word that we get our word deacon from. Now, that's a shocker. Because the way we function in the church is that the deacons are the administrators in most churches I know about. They're the folks who preside over and administrate, in, in most cases, um, the, the, the functions of the church. Now, it's no accident that the gift of helping is the same word as the word we, we use when we, when, we, when we transliterate, that we transliterate for the word deacon. Now, when you understand this, you'll see, when you, when you take a look at this, you'll see a brand new perspective on the office of deacon. It means to take care of someone. It means assisting someone in the local church. Now, there are those who have the gift of helping, and that is they are those who take care of someone, they assist someone in the local church, and every deacon ought to have the gift of helps. Now, it's my firm belief that the, those who have the gift of helps make up the backbone of the church. I'm going to give you, show you an example, uh, show you an illustration, or, or, or give you a verse of Scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Um, and verse 28 has this, the gift of helps in verse 28. It's a different word. Now, uh, boy, the Greek language is just replete with, with rich ideas. Now, if you turn to, to Romans 12 and you find a word that's... Uh, diakonos in nature, deacon, and it's translated helps. And then you come over to 1 Corinthians 12, and it's translated helps, and it's a brand new word. What is he talking about? Well, he's just giving us like a diamond. He's just showing us the, the size, the many-sided idea that's involved in the gift of helps. Now, the word that's used in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12 means to take hold instead of. That is, let me help you there, brother. I want to carry that instead of you. I want to do that instead of you. I'd like to take care of that in your place. Every now and then somebody calls me up and they say, Pastor, I want to do something for you. I, want, you, I know you got to do this today. And I'm going to do that for you. And they just do it. They just have the gift of helps. That's, the they, 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 that's what brings satisfaction and joy to them. 
Now, among those who have the gift of helps are the people who do the maintenance work in the church and the public address folks that you never see. Taking care of this thing right here I got on my lapel. They're the people who work in the nursery, you know, and love it. God bless them. May their tribe increase. Lord, give us more folks with a gift of helps. They're the people who do the music back there in the rooms, you know, with the children. They're the folks who do the technical skills and those who, are, who, who, who do those hospitable things. The gift of helps. They make up the backbone of the church. Now let me give you the example. It's in Acts chapter 9. Acts 9, verse 36. You follow it in the little worksheet, right? So it says, example. That's where we are. I watched this thing last week, you know, that we did last Thursday night. I, watched, I meant Sunday night. I watched it Thursday night. I needed a worksheet myself. I hope you got one. Stand right there with me. Verse 36. Now in Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Darkus. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. She had the gift of helps. Look at the 16th chapter of the book of Romans, and I'll show you another example. Romans 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant. Um, we're deacon. Now, she wasn't a deacon, I don't guess, but it's that word there. She was a helper, who is a servant of the church, which is at Cancrea. Now let's suppose that tomorrow you're going to fly out of here to Denver and you went to get your ticket out at uh, American Airlines uh, ticket uh, counter in DFW and the, and the lady there, the, flight, the, the ticket lady says, okay, we're going to send you to Denver on, the, on this plane flight so-and-so. It said, now, <clears throat> uh, let me tell you that um, we decide we're, going, we're, we're in a, uh, a budget uh, crunch and we're going to save some money. We're trying to cut back on our expenses so there won't be any flight attendance. If you're thirsty, you better get you something to drink before you get on because there won't be any flight attendance. And said, uh, we, we, we uh, think the plane's in good shape, but we, we dismissed the mechanic uh, a few weeks ago. And so uh, we're just trusting that things are fine. And said, so I'm pretty sure that there'll be plenty of fuel because we, 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 we fired the fuel man. It brings the fuel and puts it in there. He said, we don't have a co-pilot, we don't have a navigator, but everything's going to be fine. Just hop right on and head out to Denver. You wouldn't be too excited about that. Let me tell you what, you see the flight attendant, he's the guy that's uh, taking care of this uh, thing tonight here and got the pilot. Oh, folks, we can't do without the mechanics and the fuelers and the, and the people come in and clean up after, you know, the flight's over and you're getting on and you've got a brand new clean plane. You never see those folks. You never see the people bring up the food. You don't see the co-pilot or the navigator. But I challenge you to fly from here to Denver not knowing, knowing that there's not one of those people there. You can't, have a, you can't get this thing off the ground without the people who have the gift of helps and who are manifesting that gift. Amen? Oh, I love those amens. I heard one. <laughs> the gift of mercy is the last gift. The gift of mercy... 
The only time this gift is named is in Romans 12, 8. The only time it's named. The gift of mercy, the person who has the gift of mercy has the ability to enter into the needs and the hurts and the aches and the heartbreak of the saints showing mercy. They're just able to feel for the hurts that people have. They're able to enter into and identify with those pains that people have. Heartache, trouble, and they show mercy. Weist says that this word means cheerfulness, amiable grace that makes the visitor a sunbeam. Don't you like people like that? That have the gift of mercy? Amiable grace. When they come, it's just like opening up the, the shades. It's just like raising the window to get a breath of, breath of fresh air. Oh, how I like to be around folks that understand when I hurt. Not everybody has that gift. Now, don't feel bad, you know, don't, don't criticize yourself. If, don't beat yourself if you don't have the gift of mercy. Not everybody has that gift. But oh, how wonderful it is when there's, there's people in the church exercise the gift of mercy and just literally let the hurting world know that we care. Now, I don't have an illustration of the person who has the gift of mercy, but I have an illustration of those who don't. And, though, and it's found in the book of Job. There were three guys that came to Job. Now, they'll never accuse those guys of having the gift of mercy, I tell you. Now, here was old Job who was broken in every way, and these guys came and broke every rule. They, he needed encouragement, and, and, and they sat around in silence for seven days and stared at him. That'll bless you. I, I, I guess they were just, you know, waiting for him to confess, you know, that he'd done something wrong. They just kind of stared at him. And they read him the riot act, and they preached to him, and they scolded him. And all Job, we've been studying that on Wednesday night, all he could do was cry out for somebody who had the gift of mercy. And he said it like this, Isn't there somebody who will stand in mediation between me and an angry God? And that's the person who has the gift of mercy. He's a person who stands between your hurt as a mediator, and feels your pain. Now, if you can identify those, you better make good friends with them. You better know their name, address, and phone number, and have it handy, because they're going to be the best people that you'll ever find. Now, it says something out here about summary. Well, let me summarize. There are no apostles in this day. Apostleship, we noticed, meant that you had to bear an eyewitness to the resurrection or to the resurrected Christ. There are no prophets. 
Sorry to tell you that. No prophets in this day. There are evangelists. Some of you may have the gift of evangelism. You can win people to the Lord just with ease, pleasure, and success. There are some who are pastors. Now, I'll tell you what thrilled me one day is that I did, after I did a, a, a deal on the gifts, a lady came up and said, What's your gift? Now, that'll, <laughs> that'll thrill you. <laughs> Boy, that'll humble you. There are some pastors, and some of you may have the gift of pastoring. God may be calling you to pastor. I have a sense that He is calling some in this church. And some of you have the gift of teaching. You like to get into the Word and be able to give it. And some of you are not. But let me tell you something. If you're not any of those, you're one of these. Are you exercising your spiritual gift? If you're not, I sure am upset with you because I'm part of this body and it can't be what it was meant to be until you do. Now you say, well, heck, I'm just, a, I'm just a middle schooler. I'm just a high schooler. You bet you are, but you got a gift. You sure do. You've been saved. Holy Spirit lives in your heart. He gave you a gift. You need to start exercising it. We need you. We need you. We need you. God needs to see His church, His body, performing, functioning, just like He intended when He left it. Let's pray together. Father, bless this word now to the heart of the people who have heard it. Help us to understand that we are accountable not only for what we've heard, but what we could have heard and didn't. And I pray that you'll bless us in this moment of invitation to glorify your, your name and extend your kingdom and build your church through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, there are three kinds of invitations. Seriously, get with me now, quietly, no talking. Three kinds of invitations. First invitation is for you to come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Give your heart to Jesus. To receive Him as your personal Savior. He needs to come into your life. He wants to. He died for you. Have you ever opened up your life by faith to receive Christ, trusted Jesus, Jesus only? Come and do that tonight. Be saved tonight. Have your name written forever in God's book tonight. Have your sin, past and future, cleansed away and forgiven. Come and receive Christ. Come and be saved. Come tonight to join the church. When are you going to do what God wants you to do? Come on and join the church. Be a part of this body. God's waiting for you to fulfill it. He said, you've got a gift that you, this church needs. Come and put your life here so the church can be complete. So when tomorrow comes, we'll be complete. Come tonight to surrender your life to Christ in a new way of rededication and recommitment. If you're walking on the outskirts, out in the extremes, out in the cold, out in the dark, would you do it? David's going to lead us in song. We're going to come. If you'll, leave, if you'll do what God wants to do, somebody will come tonight while we stand and sing. Come on.